We've heard time and time again that social media is an important part of your store's marketing strategy. We're all familiar with buying ads, but what about building an organic following? This week, we're joined by Jess Grossman, founder and CEO at InSocial. We'll be digging into the importance of building an organic following on social media and how your organic presence plays into the entire customer lifecycle. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. Buying online is fun, but you know what isn't? Waiting days for your package to arrive. Once a purchase is made, customers track their shipment four to five times per order. That means they're visiting order tracking pages a lot. Why not use that time with excited customers to drive sales and build your brand? How? With a tool like Malamo. Malamo helps you turn shipping from a cost center into a profitable marketing channel by using branded shipment emails and order tracking pages to drive additional purchases by showing new products, upcoming sales, subscription options, and other engaging content. Plus, it cuts support tickets down by 50% by proactively managing delivery communications with customers. And the best part is it really works. Malamo merchants see a 2 to 3% repeat purchase rate from customers while they're waiting for their current order to arrive. Post-purchase experiences are the new frontier in marketing. What are you doing to tap in? Hey, Kelly, let's say I can't write code, but I want to create workflows that carry out repetitive tasks automatically. So that way I can focus on my business and create great customer experiences. What would I use? I recommend Mesa, a no-code workflow builder for any action your customer takes. You can use Mesa's built-in features to extend your connected apps, set up email notifications, receive forms, schedule tasks, delay workflows, and much more. Developers like me also love Mesa because we can lift the hood on any automation to customize for total control. Okay, I'm in. How do I start? Go to getmesa.com. That's G-E-T-M-E-S-A.com. And their team of automation experts will support you on your journey 24-7. Good morning. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us. I am very excited for this interview that we're doing. (laughs) I'm excited to hang out with you, really. So, hanging out. Yeah, thanks, guys. So, let's start with a really easy question. Okay, Okay, it's two questions. Mm -hmm. Who are you and what do you do? Okay. So, I'm Jess Grossman, founder and CEO of InSocial, and we're a full service digital marketing agency that does end to end basically everything organic social, paid, email, web, and even customer service. Um, besides that, I run an online awareness organization for ostomy surgery called Uncover Ostomy, uh, where I talk about living life with an ostomy and how it's a life-saving surgery. If you don't know what it is, Google it and you'll probably find me. We'll also post links in the show notes so you can, you can find those links as well. Okay. So one of the things that we're often asked by merchants is Basically, literally anything on the topic of social media. Um, it is something that I don't touch as an agency, and it's something that Rian doesn't touch because she runs an app company. So, <laughs> facts. Let's kind of start at a really high level when it comes to, let's say, like a social media strategy. What are what are we re- usually looking at? 
Oh, that's a, that's a big question, actually. Um, when when you're looking at social media, there's a lot of different elements that play into what you want to do, how you want to do it, and why you want to do it, and also where. Um, so if we start with the where, there's a multitude of different channels that you can be on. But what people don't often understand is that every channel requires unique content. It doesn't necessarily mean that the content has to be completely different wherever you're posting, but it needs to at least be formatted. And it can be as simple as resizing a photo that you would put on Instagram and then putting it on Twitter because Twitter is notoriously bad at like cropping photos in the weirdest spots and it's never consistent. <laughs> <laughs> like open for a surprise. And, you know, that's the, that's the, the Twitter uh, joke there. Um, but that's one of the key pieces into it. And then the other piece is why, is why are you posting on social media? And that's a question we always ask our clients is why do you want to be posting on social media? What do you have to say? And a lot of the time our clients are like, well, sell my products. And it's like, well, of course we have to talk about your products. We have to show them. That's why we'd be posting on social media some of the time. But if all you're doing is yelling into the void about buying your products, no one is going to want to follow you. So it's really, really important to actually build a story and a story that fits each medium that you're sharing it to so that people actually enjoy your the posts that you're sharing, the feeds that they're following you to, to see your content on. Uh, and so what goes into that strategy is, is not just what are we going to promote about your store, but what story can we build around you, how your products are made, who you are as a, as a company founder, or just anything that could be interesting. On the topic of where, I think one of the questions that I get a lot is where should I be posting? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you know, you have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, <laughs> uh, maybe you need a YouTube channel. There's so many like places. Is Tumblr still post. a thing? I don't know. <laughs> Post weekly on Live Journal, you know, the usual. <laughs> like where? Where where do I start? Well, that's also part of the conversation. And it, it really comes down to a couple things. What kind of business are you? Who are you targeting? And people don't actually realize this, but budget. So we've had a lot of clients come to us and say, I want a TikTok strategy. And we're like, cool, it's all video. If we're gonna produce video, it's gonna take a lot more time and a lot more money okay, I don't want to do TikTok, right? So <laughs> <laughs> people people don't understand, you know, necessarily what goes into having a great strategy. So, you know, there's Snapchat for the younger kids that's still a, a big thing. Most of our clients don't cater to, to the teens right now. So we're not super into chat, uh, Snapchat right now. Um, but we have had some clients where we were able to successfully take other people's content, their UGC in other places and put it onto TikTok sparingly. So that kind of filled the void there. Um, but it really just, it's a number of those factors coming together, which which makes the most sense. In a personal opinion, which one's your favorite to work on? Oh, oh well, I have 25,000 followers on Instagram. So like, that's where I always go. Cause I spent so much time building it, though I haven't posted since like all since the pandemic cause no one wants to see me at home. <laughs> It's all stories of like, look at my unmakeuped face, like enjoy this for 24 hours. Um, but I, it's still my favorite just because I built such a, a strong community and fan base. It's super weird to say that. Um, Trust me. But <laughs> I have a large following on Twitter. I get it. Yeah. Oh, I know. You retweeted one of my tweets and it's going I'm crazy. so sorry. I thought about that afterwards and I was like, oh no, her DMs. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. My husband's not too happy about it because the tweet was making fun of him, but <laughs> I appreciate it. So. 
<laughs> Rian, what is your favorite social media channel? Oh, they're all fine. Uh, they're all fine. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter's probably the my favorite. LinkedIn is my least favorite. Everything else. Notice how I lit. I I left LinkedIn off the list when yeah. I was naming channels. Oh, just I just found out that you can have followers on LinkedIn. I don't know where I've been sleeping, but apparently it hasn't been on this earth. So I found out I have a bunch of followers on LinkedIn. So now I'm going to stop just accepting everybody to no, be my friend. I was like, this was an option this whole time. Yeah, you can literally change your default button to be follow mm-hmm. instead of request. You can do that on Facebook too, which I started to do years ago, where if someone asks to be your friend, but you don't accept, they automatically follow you. So I have, I think, like a thousand followers on my Facebook like profile and it's way better because then I don't need to see their dumb stuff. Sorry, people. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. I appreciate you all. But yeah, no, that's a, it's a little secret. So yeah. I I did not know that. Yeah, that's okay. So real quick, touching back on on a acronym that you use, because I just want to make sure because I think we're going to use it going forward. So UGC, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, User generated content. So it's where you ask your fans, your followers, influencers, customers, whoever to take your product and create content for you. Amazing. Amazing. We get really into the weeds with different acronyms. And so I always try to identify the acronym before we start taking a deep dive. Otherwise, I feel like our listeners at home are like, what are you talking about? Why am I here? Why are you just talking in letters? (laughs) I only talk in letters. I only talk in letters. I... I talk in numbers, guys. I don't know about you. So, Kelly <laughs> sent me uh, a text earlier. I was like, uh, we need to send something for our podcast. Which one should we send? And I was just like, I don't know. SEO, CRO, CX. I just started like an, an acronym one. I didn't have an answer. So, okay. So it, so it depends what channels, right? Mm-hmm. By what mm-hmm. they sell. Mm-hmm. So let's just say hypothetically, I'm selling women's clothing, women's apparel, price point, $500 and up. Wow. Where would I oh. not go? Um, to my social media. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, can, can I ask you a question back before I yeah, answer that? Yeah. I love this hypothetical company I just built. Yeah. Okay. What is the purpose of you wanting to post organically? I want people to look at my stuff want my stuff, and then buy my stuff. Okay. So great answer. So you can definitely get people to look at your stuff and want your stuff, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to bucket the buy separately. Okay. So let's move that to the side. Let's, let's talk about those two things. So because you're luxury, luxury, female clothing, women's clothing, uh, I would put you on Instagram because that is still where the luxury brands are thriving and people still expect very uh, well-produced content on that platform. Um, Potentially, I would put you on Facebook just to supplement the Instagram because of how the whole ads manager, business manager connects, especially if you're going to do ads. It's just good to have your Facebook presence not be dead. And we'll talk about that with the buy section. Um, And then potentially TikTok, but it would really have to be very... um, very curated. Like you wouldn't want random people. You wouldn't want UGC for that, right? If you're selling $500, you want to produce TikTok content. So if you have the budget, which 
if you're selling all your pieces for five hundred dollars, you should have the budget. You should, <laughs> assuming you're selling anything, yes. Yeah, yes, you're not selling anything. Yeah. So, can I actually ask another hypothetical situation that's kind of the total reverse of this? Because I think it's important to address. So, we have a lot of listeners who run, let's say, dropshipping stores or print-on-demand stores. How do you approach social in this case? Like, maybe my goal is well, I want my my I heart dogs from Michigan shirt to go uh, viral. And I want everyone to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. How would you approach that? Uh, well, that one's a little bit easier because if let's say it is print on demand, that one's one where you can really leverage a community if you've built it or need to build it. Because when it's print on demand, you can literally crowdsource your products from your followers. So Twitter is a great place to do that because it's a lot an easier way to have a conversation. Facebook, where you can post an image of a hypothetical product you want to make, ask people what they want. Um, surprisingly, not a lot of, of brands are doing this, but some are doing it really, really well, is Facebook groups. Uh, I know you, Kelly, you're in the Peloton Facebook group with me. And I'm in the like- number... Seven Peloton groups. <gasps> okay, I'm only in the official one. I can't. Oh, do I have. Oh my! I'm going to open your eyes to a much better world that is not the toxic shit show <laughs> that is the main Peloton group. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out. This is a thing. Okay, it's a thing. I'm in Boo Crew, which is for Cody. Um, Hardcore on the floor has a calendar <laughs> with core workouts every single day. Um, I'm in the group for uh, for Bradley. Um, I'm in the group for, oh man, I'm in. Didn't you join a month ago? Like, didn't you just get your bike a month ago? Yep. Two months ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about two months ago. Um, I'm in two conflicting groups that are my absolute favorites. One is for, uh, bougie people who like to spend a lot of money. And I'm also in the one that's called broke ass bitches. So. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. I love it. Oh, so great. But the the thing you'll notice about the Peloton group is people will come to complain, right? Which everyone will find wherever they can to complain. (laughs) But there are, but Peloton has like hundreds of thousands of their own users in that group that does the, the triaging for them. It's these other users that will say, why are you complaining about this? Like, is your life that hard? Or just contact them or like, this is how you fix this or whatever. So ride with a different instructor. Yeah. (laughs) Like, where did the instructor go? Like, leave her alone. She's just taking a vacation. Like, calm down. (laughs) Those are the best ones. They can Um, take breaks. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. But they've, they've curated this experience where they just kind of need to keep an eye on it and make sure no one, nothing's going too crazy, but it self-regulates. And, um, you know, for certain brands, maybe your $500 per product brand Rianne, could be in there because you've, they've created this evangelical group of people that are going to help for them. And so similarly to this, you know, print on demand, which is the total other opposite is use that community to come up with products that they would want to buy. If they told you they want it, then, I mean, not for sure they'll buy it, but at least you know that there's interest and in, in you're already ahead of the game. So Facebook groups is a really good good way to go. Reddit can <clears throat> Reddit can be interesting depending on what kind of content you want to put on your t-shirts. It's very, <laughs> very niche groups, but uh, that one does require more management time to, to do that well and to not be annoying on Reddit, but that one's a, an overlooked one as well. I think another really cool thing that I've seen, like speaking of Facebook groups in particular, I've seen people create businesses from Facebook groups, like uh, going back to the Peloton group. I'm also in the Peloton Atlanta group. And 
somebody in that group creates uh, like some kind of wall hanging that holds like your shoes, your water bottle and like that are it's very like Peloton branded Mm -hmm. in a way that they're allowed to do that does not, you know break copyright maybe it does who knows i don't know my the rules brain these instantly things. i was like oh my gosh that's an ip suit if i've heard one <laughs> <laughs> but but she just she makes these things that are like custom for any kind of uh any kind of peloton rider who's interested in buying one and so you can literally create a group or create a business out of these groups too okay there, there's one person who made this tray table that sits on top of the Peloton bars, but he only sells in the States, so I can't get it here. But he literally built it because of that group. And everyone's like, who's the guy? Where do I find it? Like, they're all just asking for this product and it came out of the group. It was crazy. Do you want me to buy you one, then ship it to you? Because I can do that. Uh, I I bought some coffee for somebody who lives in Canada that only ships in the US. And then I just shipped the end. I literally just like slapped a new label on the same box and just shipped it off. Was Was it the copper? The copper cup, yep. yeah, it was. I figured that. <laughs> I my husband doesn't even want me to get it because he he thinks that I will never get off the bike, which is probably true. But maybe yeah. <laughs> we'll, talk. we'll talk. Hey, Rian, what can I do to help my support team be more efficient? I recommend Gorgeous. Gorgeous combines all your communications channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform that gives you an organized view of all help requests. This saves your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Sounds great. What else can it do? With Gorgeous, you can pre-write and save responses to your most frequently asked questions. You even have access to the customer's order information, so you can personalize responses with things like an order or tracking number. This then frees up your time so your support team can focus on complex questions. This sounds like a great way to also increase sales and brand loyalty. Where can I learn more? To request a demo, visit commercet.com forward slash gorgeous. That's commercet.com slash G-O-R-G-I-A-S. So let's say like I had a podcast and I was looking to market my podcast. What what channels would that be? We actually had a podcast client, not like you, you, they didn't have a, a business. They were a podcast. That was their business. And surprisingly, Facebook was one of their best channels because we leveraged the ability to comment Wanted it was a crime podcast, so you know you get pretty intense fans for crime podcasts. Yeah. So everyone just wanted to like solve the mystery. So if it was this podcast, maybe I would have a different suggestion. But that one worked really, really well. Everyone wanted to talk to each other about the the mystery, so that was cool. Um, and then maybe Reddit for for this one, yeah. Huh. I huh. never thought about Reddit. Nor did I. Aren't you? Don't you have like a big account on Reddit? Yeah. <laughs> like, do you guys just want me to put a strategy together for you? Is that what, what you're asking? I, I look, I just, I'm just, I'm just asking. This is just hi- allegedly, hypothetically. Allegedly. <laughs> you can't prove anything. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to back up because you said we're setting the buy bucket aside. I want to go back to that conversation now. Okay. That's the most important conversation I have with any lead who comes to me. Um, so I'll be com- completely honest. Our website is so old, like the in-social website. And so the one of the best pages on our site is our organic social page. Because as an agency, that's actually where we started. But what we realized when 
we started this agency and it started to grow is that so many of our clients were like, well, how do I know you're, you're making me money? And I would have to say, well, it's organic. It's supplementary to all the other things that you're doing. And so then I was like, well, we better be doing that or our clients are going to keep saying you're not contributing to my ROI. So what's really important to know about organic social is it is not a direct revenue generator. It can bring sales, especially if you have a lot of followers, you're an influencer, you have a nice Instagram shop. It can get you a couple sales, but it will never scale because you cannot rely on the organic algorithms of Instagram, of Facebook, Twitter to drive enough traffic to get to your site to make enough purchases for it to be worth it, right? So what we always say to everyone is there's a couple of reasons why you want organic. One, because when you do advertise on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or wherever, it's linked to your organic pages. So someone could click back and check you out. So I don't know if anyone here, anyone listening has ever had an experience where they saw a really kitschy, cool product on Facebook and they're like, oh, I kind of want to get this. And then the profile photo of the page that was advertising, it looked kind of sketchy. And then you went to the page and you're like, there was one post like five years ago and you probably didn't buy, right? Um, So people want to know who you are after they click your ad, right? They want to see what you've been posting. So that's really important. The other thing that's really important is going to be even more important now that iOS 14 and Apple have kind of ruined all of Facebook's advertising algorithms. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we've always had the, um, the ability to target people who are interested in your social media posts, your organic posts as a target, right. Or a lookalike or a custom audience of those people. We might need to go back and talk about what that means, but Essentially, if someone's engaging with your social posts, you can tell Facebook, okay, go after the people who engaged with my social posts or people who look like those people. And so with all these other targeting changes, you're going to need to rely more on who's organically interacting with your post. Because if someone is organically interacting with your post, they're already showing intent that they want to purchase from you. So that's going to become a bigger piece of our advertising strategies for sure, which means you need a really great organic social presence. I know you just sort of explained it, but can we actually (laughs) like really focus on iOS 14 and Facebook for a second? Because I do not know how to explain what happened. Well, the the short version is Apple gave a big middle finger to Facebook (laughs) and... They want to own the ads ecosystem, which to be fair, I'm surprised they haven't already been doing this to the level that Facebook is, right? So fine. Business is going to business, whatever. Um, But essentially what's happened is Apple's like, hey, Facebook, we're going to automatically stop tracking customers who use our, our operating system so you don't have access to their information. And Facebook is literally built on being able to track you all around everywhere you touch digitally. And I am still convinced and I cannot prove it. It can listen to you. It listens to you. So Apple's like, nope, for the sake of our customers, quote unquote, not really, we're going to cut off your access to know everything about your Facebook users. And so now you can't use that information to advertise. Now, as an advertiser, We have been able in the past to be so incredibly specific of who we're going after because we've been able to track them. So unfortunately, with Apple cutting that off and most users on Facebook using iOS, we lose that that ability. 
And so the solutions that we're starting to build at InSocial, and I'm sure other agencies are doing as well, is focusing on organic social as a, as a way to capture who your audience is or using things like Klaviyo, where if you capture someone's email, okay, you now own them as you are tracking, like you can track them because they've consented to give you their email. Um, so overall, it's a disaster, but in the in the, the grand scheme of things, we'll figure it out, but organic's gonna play a bigger part in that for sure. Okay, thank you for, for explaining that. So uh, let's double down on that and talk about the Google change that's gonna be made at the end of the year. What implications do you think? Oh, first of all, can you explain can you explain what's happening for our listeners? Well, basically the internet is deciding not to track anyone anymore. So it's it's similar. Um I don't remember the specifics of that one because all of what we are doing is search. Like we don't do as much display remarketing because we actually do it on Facebook. We found that we actually get a better return remarketing on Facebook after driving traffic from Google. It ends up being a much better conversion. So from a search perspective, we're okay. We do a lot of search, drive to Facebook, complete the circle. Um, but they're also getting in the way with, with tracking and not being able to do the same thing with remarketing display ads. So it's it's a very similar situation. I mean, we are having to rewrite all of our apps because of it, right? Oh so my God. We're... <laughs> Because, yeah, because because of the cross-site cookie tracking, only the sexiest names coming from yeah. from software world. But yeah, we're rewriting all of our apps to accommodate for it. And so I, I have a bunch of theories. We should have you on after that pushes live and kind of talk about the aftermath because it's like, how can you use something like SEO in tandem with organic search? or with organic social media, how do you make that work if we can't, you know, just like with display ads and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I really want to dig into that with you at another junction and maybe after it rolls, because I think people are going to have a lot of questions. Well, the the Facebook already, already rolled out this week. And to the point where literally they haven't, like Facebook has added an asterisk to all the stats. Like there's a little pop-up where you can see the numbers and it's like, may not be accurate because of iOS. And like, we literally checked, we, me and my ad manager were like, let's just see what's happening. And it was, we had like two sales in the morning when we checked from, from one ad set. Uh, it only showed two on Shopify. It only showed one on Facebook. So, ah, oh. oh, great. Yay. Just what it we want to see. Yeah, it's begun. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what the rest of the year is going to be for, for this. You can't see her right now, but Jess just has her hand on her face. <laughs> Like, you know, that look, just the, uh, that look. (sighs) Yeah. But you know what? Like Facebook did a really good job of being like, Hey, look at what Apple is doing and they're destroying you, but also Facebook. Um, and they did a really good like agency marketing campaign to be like, they're terrible. Look at all the things you're going to have to do. Like complain, like you got to change all of these things. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say one of the good things is Facebook does have a conversions API. That's what they call it, which is already integrated in Shopify. So for, for stores that aren't on Shopify or Magento or any of those connections, like custom HTML, you're going to have to manually code in this API to kind of help bridge the gap. But Shopify already has done some of that and our, our e-commerce stores are on Shopify. So we feel a little bit better, but yeah, we'll see. I think one of the things that I am often just generally wondering about as a brand 
having run my own store before, having brands all over the place, is frequency of posting. Like, how often should I be posting? That's a very good question. Is the answer, so, it depends? <laughs> when is the answer, answer not? Answer? <laughs> yeah. That's why I love this, this line of work. The answer is always, it depends. Well, always, it depends. Easiest crop out. If anyone tells you they know the exact answer to anything that has to do with digital, then they are lying to you. I always say that. No one can promise you anything on the internet. Whether it's a Nigerian (laughs) prince that wants your money to marry you, that is not true. If it's someone saying they can promise you a return of X, that is not true. They cannot guarantee it. So that is the answer is it depends. Um, it, It does depend on budget. The more you post... The more time it takes, you know, we have a very intensive review and strategy and we do design for all of our posts. So it takes time, but we create really great content. Um, And then it really just matters on how the engagement is going, because the way the algorithms work, at least on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter's not as bad, though. It's it's a little bit weird. Like my husband says he doesn't see all of my tweets, but I think he's just lying because he doesn't interact with them. And then I get mad at him for not. So he just says he doesn't see them. Um, Have you told him to turn on notifications yet? The thing is, I I make fun of him so much that like maybe it's better. (laughs) Maybe it's true. Maybe he's ignoring them. Yeah. Um, It's (laughs) self-preservation. He knows I love him. He knows I love him. Um, but with, with Facebook and Instagram, and I'm sure TikTok is doing this a little bit more now with the for you page, um, is it really depends on what your engagement rate is like within the first 10 to half an hour, 10 minutes, half an hour. No one knows the actual number because they won't tell us, but essentially if your post gets a 5% engagement rate within the first 10 minutes, you're more likely for that post to show to more of your followers, right? They, uh, Instagram specifically said at one point that if a verified slash highly popular user also like your post, it will go farther because their influence means that other people will like it. So if you're posting so much that there aren't enough posts for someone to engage with or you're diluting your feed, sometimes posting too much is the wrong strategy. Because then it's like, uh, well, you just sent out three in three days and I'm seeing them because the algorithm's messing up the order. I'm seeing them all. I might not like them all, right? So it dep- if you have a really large audience, it might be better to do more to hope that you get in front of more people. But if you have a smaller audience, we usually say do a few less. Usually two a week is, is a good place to start. And does time of day matter as well? Yes. Time of day is extremely important. And luckily, most of the platforms will tell you when your audience is on. Um, They won't tell you when they are most likely to engage, but they will say when they're most likely on the app and and engaging. So yes, we use that always. This is so cool and complicated. (laughs) This is why I don't do social. (laughs) Yeah, this is why I'm like, interesting. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> well, that's, what, what's crazy about it is that's how I started this agency because I felt I really, really knew social. Um, but I like I built my business. I think up until the third year was mostly just social, right? Like it, we had so many clients and so many team members of just that that it, it takes a lot of work. You know, when someone says, "Oh, my niece can just do it," I'm like, "Uh, they can, but it's not going to go well, right?" Like it, it takes a team. It takes someone who knows what they're doing, who's on top of the trends, who knows every time Facebook changes things again, right? Like that it's really important to have the right team to do it. I think that actually leads me to another question then. 
Is there a certain time in a company's growth that it's time for them to stop trying to do it themselves and to hire a company to help out? I I don't think there's a specific time. It depends. That's all. <laughs> um, I need a but sound I, effect on this thing for every time somebody says it depends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what I always say to our clients, and, and as an agency, since we've grown, we've really become the outsource marketing department. So our clients come to us to do all the marketing so that they can focus on the business, right? So if you as the business owner are spending so much time on social that you can't do the business part, it's very hard to outsource the business part properly, right? Like, are you going to hire, you know, someone to source your products, to test your products, to, you know, do inventory management? Like, are you going to do that right away? And then you focus on social? Or is it a lot easier to find a team to do social for you while you focus on the inner operations, right? So I think if you're spending probably 20% of your week on social, that's, that's too much. That's a lot of percent of time. It's a lot of percent. A yeah. lot of percent of time. That's not even a sentence. I'm like, yes, that's too much, many. Too much time. Yeah. Too, too much time. What are the things that everybody does wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many things. So many things. The creative is often just wrong. Like I've seen, I've seen well-written posts, like the grammar's right. It's a little cute. You know, I get the vibe, but then this graphic looks like, you know, a six-year-old made it on MS Paint. Like it's just ugly. And creative is like 70% of a post, if not more, because that's what's in your face. You usually see an image or a video before you read the copy. Um, So again, why you need a team, because the creative piece, the assets are a lot harder for people to do. And so I think a lot of of businesses think that they can do that themselves. Um, the other piece that we actually see with a lot of our big, bigger clients is that they, before they came to us, is they didn't put enough importance on what we call comment checking or community management, where they're spending a lot of money on ads, they're posting a lot, and then they're just ignoring their audience, right? Like they're there and they don't have time for it, or they don't want to invest money into it. Um, one of the, one of the things with us and how we structure our business is we do offer customer service, but we actually include comment checking in the customer service team, because more often than not, if someone's going to complain, there's a good chance they're going to show up on social. And so our team is already in email and gorgeous. They're on chat, but then they're seeing comments on, on social. And what's really, really important to what we as an agency make sure that we do is if a customer's on a post and they're complaining about a product, we go, hey, so-and-so, we hear you, send us an email, we'll help you there. And then as soon as that email comes in, we say, hey, we saw your comment on Facebook, so glad you emailed us. And so what that does to the customer is it makes them feel that they're actually being listened to. And they're usually a lot less angry because they're suddenly like, oh my God, they actually like know who I am. I got to calm down and I'm, we'll figure this out. So that's a big, a big piece for us. I love that. And I definitely want to dig more into the the customer support side of things. Just, just the fact that you're, people just want to be seen. They want to be heard. Mm-hmm. They want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And it's, to me, it's so easy just to take that moment and make that connection. And it really does help make the, the overall issue you're addressing so much easier to address. For the most part, of course, there's always going to be exceptions, mm-hmm. but you know, just overall, I, I, I love that. I love that. 
Yeah. And it's surprisingly, it really does bring in revenue. Like we, we make more sales from community management than we do through actually posting on social, which I guess you could say is kind of the same thing because they come through a post. But my favorite, favorite, favorite example, this happened, I think a couple months ago, we, our client Triple Bristle came to us. Uh, we got them through a connection with Gorgeous. So thank you, Gorgeous, for introducing them to us. Um, if <laughs> there was this one guy, he commented on Instagram on an ad and he goes, oh, I don't have money for this yet. Bug me on payday or yeah, bug me on payday on Thursday. And so my team and Gorgeous snoozed that social alert. And on the Thursday, we commented back and said, hey, it's payday. I love that. And then he goes on YouTube and leaves a comment on like another video being like, LOL, your support team reminded me I just bought one. Like full on converted from that like silly little comment, right? He probably may not have actually wanted to buy it. He was just joking or being silly. And then as soon as he saw us respond and be a little snarky back, he had to buy it. So that was one of my favorite, favorite examples. (laughs) A couple things to unpack here. First off, I... We love Gorgeous here. Gorgeous is also one of our sponsors. So thank you. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And second, bringing in the snarkiness. I think this is something that I try to stress to our clients and merchants who are listening to this podcast or webinars, wherever. Your brand voice must carry through everything Mm -hmm, that you do. mm -hmm. And if you are a snarky brand, it's still okay to respond with that same snark. You should in the comments. Yep. And that's why when we're doing the common checking and we're training our, we call them our digital support squad. Uh, or for Triple Bristle, they're our, our smile squad, you know, specific name just for that brand, of course. Um, but we make sure that they have a direct connection to the social team or the ads team or whoever is doing the content. Because if we're responding to a post, we have to respond in the same way that it's written, right? Or if we're writing macros to put into Gorgeous, we talk to either our social team or even, you know, the brand and say, How do we need to word this? Usually in our kickoff calls for that, when it's either social or customer service, I always ask if if you could um, decide who your brand was as a celebrity, who would it be? And it's an easy way for them to be like, oh, I I know this celebrity. That's the one that I think my brand is. And so it really gives us a good understanding of how we need to respond or even, you know, write social posts. On the gorgeous front, I want to dig into this a little bit more because I've known Gorgeous more from the customer support side of things and like email and live chat, things like that. I'm less familiar with the social integration. So can you kind of walk through what the typical setup might look like integrating your social media into Gorgeous? And maybe you mentioned like macros, how those work, how those play into it as well. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's just a click, 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 connect it to your business manager and it's in. Um, We do have a lot of different settings like filters and um, and AI that we use if we need to triage. So if there's anything like an, you know, an unhappy comment, we know to go in. Actually, we started setting it up where it will auto hide a comment on Facebook and Instagram. I don't even think you can hide on Instagram unless you're through Gorgeous, which is very smart oh, of them. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you usually can just delete on Instagram, but Gorgeous lets you hide it, which is crazy. Though they, the API had to be updated, so they may have reverted that. Don't quote me on it, but at least we used to be able to do it and it was really smart. So we would set up set up our, our um, trigger so that if something seemed negative and it came in, we would auto hide it if it was after hours, right? Because if you're paying for an ad or a social post, you know, was seen by a hundred people, 
You're not, you don't want that negative comment to just live there. We hide it. We don't delete because we're still going to go back and talk to that person, of course, but at least it's hidden from, from people. Uh, so that's one of the really, really cool things that we like to use it for. Um, and it, yeah, it just really helps us triage it, I think. Um, there's some stats that you can pull from it as well in the back. We really like to analyze what our interactions are like, what our response time is, track if there are any conversions coming through it. So just having it in the system makes it all kind of connected and you can really look at what's going on in the business and any point that you touch a customer. That's so cool. Thanks, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I believe this is the last question. Well, there's two last questions. I lied. This we is the lied. first. It's a series of last questions. This is the first last question. This is the first last question, which will be followed by the second or third last question, depending on what happens. <laughs> okay. So uh, we always end these episodes with store shout outs. Mm-hmm. So tell me a store or a brand or something that's making you happy this week? Oh, I love all of my clients. So I just want to say I love all their stores. But from a non-client perspective, I actually am obsessed with the David's Tea website. Do you guys get David's Tea in the States? Yes. We, wow. It's yes. a big thing here. I think we do. I'm like, my husband's Canadian. So I'm like, I don't actually know. But I think yeah. <laughs> they have a US site. They do have okay, a US site. Okay, okay. Yeah. I love how the product photography is what, speaks to you more than the actual structure of the site. It's like, I just follow the pictures uh, and they do really great photography. So um, I'm using that as inspiration for something that I'm working on. Can't say it yet. We can do another episode on that, but I'm going to become a merchant eventually. Um, Yeah, so excited. Um, But I just, I love that product photography just speaks to their products. Like it just shows it so well. And not a lot of people, at least... Some merchants are a little bit wary of investing in photography, but that's a site that if you look at, you realize how much you need it. It's such a good looking site. Kelly, what about yours? So my store shout out this week, I'm continuing the beverage trend. I guess mine's more of like a meal in a beverage format. (laughs) Meal Um, in a bottle. Meal in a bottle. Uh, I just bought some more Soylent because it's just so easy to... When I'm really busy, I'm on the road. I remember being on the road. Like it actually does occasionally happen, especially like if I go like a day long road trip, easy to pull the Soylent out of the, our little lunch box that we we fill up and that's lunch. Um, so we just bought some more um, mint chocolate, which is really good flavor. And we decided to try the banana one this time. Oh God, Kelly. <laughs> Both of those flavors. Mint chocolate sounds amazing. No, it's really good. It doesn't. Oh. I, I haven't had I a bad soy flavor though. So the banana one is the biggest question mark. That was the one my husband wanted to try. And I'm like, I'm going to give you this one because I can just drink the mint chocolate ones all day. So the site, the site is cool too. It's not just the beverage. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was saying earlier, I used to get the the original, I guess, was the one. And they used to send it to me because of my digestive issues. Like we would tweet back and forth and they just sent me a bunch for free. So they were, they're such a great team. Really they're like a good them. team too. Yeah. So let's be nice to them, Rian. I just don't. Okay. I have nothing wrong. <laughs> There's nothing that I find wrong about Soylent. My, my issue is that you like... Mitten and chocolate together, Kelly and Jazz. That's actually my issue here, but it's fine. I won't judge you forever, but maybe I will. <laughs> Who's in the minority vote here? 
Yeah. Because I'm this pretty sure it's two against size. one. This is not a good sample size. This is, we this need- is the only sample size we're going to have. <laughs> I, does anybody cute. else, does anyone else have a, an opinion? Oh, I, no, no comment one. on social with what you think. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, now we need to post on social. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Well, that's my store shout out. Rian, what's yours? Mine, I'm keeping in the theme of drinkables today. It's breakaway matcha. I've become super obsessed with cold brew matcha, but I like matcha in general. They have rare premium matchas. So there's apparently 18 grades of matcha. I learned a lot from their website (laughs) and it's really interesting and it's cool. And I'm obsessed with drinking multiple matches a day now. Their website's cute. It's easy to navigate. The website doesn't like blow my mind necessarily, but at the same time, it gets the job done. And also they're in a, a hyper niche market. So they can, I think they can get away with a little bit more than you can get away with on other websites. So yeah, I'm a really big fan. It's easy to check out, which I love. And I'm on my second order. Also, my second glass tumbler. I found out if you drop a glass tumbler that's double barreled, the inside will shatter so it will look like glass uh, or like it looks like ice, but it's just a bottle of glass and green. So if you get a tumbler, everybody, don't drop it on the ground because it is glass. The end. <laughs> I have a confession. What's that? I have never had matcha before. Okay. Well, well, you're coming to California in the fall, so we're going to fix that. (laughs) Spoilers. Oh, (laughs) shit. Sorry. Edit? (laughs) It's okay. No, it's okay. The world can know I'll be going to California in the fall. You just won't know when. But I do. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha (laughs) ha. I'll be stuck in Canada. Lockdown. I hope so. You not. guys have fun. I hope, I hope not. By fall, you will not be stuck in lockdown anymore. I am crossing all of my fingers for you yeah, and my toes. <laughs> Thank you guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, okay, it is time for the final, final question. Okay. Where can we find you on the internet? Oh, God. Um, whenever anyone asks me that, I literally say they can just Google me. And then I feel really icky about saying it that way because that just feels really <laughs> pretentious. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Jess Grossman or the InSocial website, InSocial.ca or Uncoverostomy, Uncoverostomy.org uh, or on Twitter. That's just where I shit post most of the time. So you know what? Maybe, it's important. Maybe don't. Yeah. Okay. So you can find me there at Jess Grossman. Amazing. Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I'm really glad we eventually got our shit together. <laughs> I thought it was a really great conversation because again, new, I know next to nothing about social going when it comes to like the merchant side of things. I can shit post on Twitter all day. I somehow got 94,000 followers and that's how. Uh, but when it comes to actually being productive, not my, not my area of expertise. No. Well, thanks guys for having me. This was so much fun. Yes. Thank yeah. You we so all, much. Definitely have you on again once we understand what's happening in the world of the internet not wanting to track us anywhere ever anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. 
Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. We have a YouTube channel. Visit it at youtube.com slash commerce tea. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make us really happy. You can subscribe to Commerce Tea on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Wednesday. So grab your mug and join us then. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.